Hello there guys and welcome to episode 101 of Genuine Chit Chat. This week I am joined by the actress, author and superhero enthusiast, Tonya Todd. Now any regular listeners will recognise that Tonya was only on Genuine Chit Chat a few episodes ago. It's probably one of the quickest returns of a guest I think I've had on the show. Uh, And the reason for that is because the chat we had before was about diversity in movies and superhero movies and things like that. And then we ended up wanting just to talk about superhero movies without all of the, you know, the issues that come along with it with diversity and all those things. Obviously important, but it's hard to have a conversation that's just fun about superheroes and stuff when you speak about all those uh, sort of important political matters. So we decided to do another chat where we don't really talk about politics and we just talk about the fun side and what we like about hero films and that sort of jazz. And really, that's what this podcast is about. Um, I will say as a spoiler warning, if you haven't seen Endgame yet, Avengers Endgame, uh, make sure you either are allowing yourself to have things spoiled for you or go out and watch it first um it's been quite a while now it's been like a year and a half since it came out so you, everyone should have uh, probably listened or watched endgame by now uh but yeah i just thought i'd preface that just in case because yeah we just talk about the mcu uh the dc movies of recent and some of the old batman movies the what's to come in the mcu uh mcu being marvel cinematic universe or the marvel films and things uh it's a really fun chat but that that's basically what we talk about for almost the entire time now, this is a two-parter, so next week the second part will be released where we talk about basically the same thing but with more Star Wars talk, uh, so be sure to check that out too. I've included a link in the descriptions for a uh, link to Tonya's site as well as uh, three articles from her site which she sent to me before our conversation that I said I would read and then I forgot to, which uh, Tonya was fine with. We joke about it a couple times in the podcast things. I joke about being a terrible host because I had to make her wait 10 minutes later uh, for me to start the chat because I, I work around late and a few other things. And then... Yeah, it's just a few, so it's a jokey thing, I don't want people uh, misinterpreting it, but it was just, she sent me some articles and I forgot to read them, and uh, so she didn't let me forget it. Uh, So I've included those articles in the description, there's three of them, Um, so yeah, make sure you check that out, check out Tonya's site, follow her on the usual social media places, where she is at Miss Tonya Todd, and yeah, just keep up to date with her. And really, that's about it, guys. Uh, I'm not going to include any promos or anything like that in this show, so the episode will just start up as usual. Uh, And a little footnote, last week was my 100th episode, so if you haven't checked that out, make sure you do, because it is a lot of fun. Anyway, guys, thank you so much for listening. As always, follow on the usual social media places at Genuine Chit Chat. And if you haven't listened before, then I'll just let you know that after the chat with Tonya finishes, I'll be back at the end to give more information on episodes to come, my other podcast, Styles, Comics and Canon, and a few other rambly bits that I don't want to include in the intro so that's about it for me guys really hope you enjoy this chat and i'll talk to you at the end welcome to genuine chit chat where we have honest conversations with interesting people and i'm your host mike burton introducing even though people have already had met you on the podcast before so it's kind of like a reintroduction tonya todd it's wonderful to have you on once again Thank you for having me back. I'm excited about this talk. Yeah, the last talk, we kind of started delving into it past the hour mark. I was like, I don't want to start talking about superhero stuff now because we'll get wrapped in a conversation that we can't finish. So we're like, let's just get something straight into the calendar, book it for this date, get it done. And (laughs) we were planning on having a really nice light chat about nothing else, but there's a a very large elephant in the room. um, And I'll be releasing this probably this weekend as well. So make it current and relevant which is the tragic passing of Chadwick Boseman, which came out of nowhere for, for most of us. I want to ask you sort of, how'd you find out? How, what do you think about it, really, I suppose? 
I found out about it. I was, I live with a few other people and, you know, we were watching something and I think I took like a, a beverage break or something and came back into the room and someone got it on their phone, got the notification on their phone. So it put a damper on the evening. And the first thing that hit me was a while back, there was this, people were posting pictures of him looking sick and people were really, really awful about it and criticizing him and talking trash. And it was just, you know, it's none of your business what's going on in his life. Don't make assumptions. And that part upset me. And I think part of that is because I'm an actor. I understand that your private life is not always kept private. And if people don't know the answers, they just make things up. And I think that that it's ridiculous. Just leave him alone. And then add to that, that he was actually sick. You know, they were saying that he was using drugs or maybe he was going too far for a role, which is what I, that's the assumption that I made is that he probably had some sort of role that required him to be thin. You know, we've seen it with Christian Bale. There are some actors who just go that distance but I'm not going to judge him for it, you know? So I wish that had been the case. It's tragic that it wasn't. It's incredible that he was able to keep this secret for years mm. and that the people are, I think you mentioned this to me, the people around him kept it secret and honored him in that way. And I think that the yeah. best thing we can do to honor him would be to promote his work and promote what he did for his community and then in the future, if we see someone who's considered a celebrity, leave them alone. You don't know what's going on in their lives. Don't speculate. Yeah, I completely agree. Because I, um, when I saw about his passing, I, I think I just saw it on... No, actually, I, I woke up and um, I'm in a group chat with other podcasters all about comic books and stuff. That's what Star Wars podcast is. And uh, one of the people in that is American. So I think the story broke is rid Dixie early in the morning here, or it was, depending on where you are in America, obviously it kind of <laughs> depends, completely different time zones. Um, but he got the notification of it first because he was just awake, and then he sent it in the group chat, and then I woke up to it. And obviously it was a surprise to me, and I was it was, it was taken aback because, you know, he was, I think, 43 years old, which is right. very young. And it was obviously of cancer, which is horrendous and something very, I think, I was going to say very close to me, but I think everyone nowadays really has either known someone or does know someone who's been seriously affected by cancer unfortunately and then i hadn't seen i i don't generally keep up with uh actors that much anymore i used to quite a bit but i don't as much now and so i hadn't seen i think there's a video of him wearing a flat cap somewhere and he does look really skinny in it and i think that's what a lot of articles are referring to is people saying oh is he doing crack or is he you know going too far for the role lots of random things and i hadn't seen that photo to after his passing mm -hmm. so when i saw that i was like oh he looks a bit thin and that without even really clicking and then obviously everything kind of fell and i was like, oh that makes sense and then i read the article people going like oh yeah it finally will make sense people accusing him of this and that and this and it's like you say i d i wasn't even aware that people were doing that sort of um accusing to him and knowing that what he was going through it makes it even more horrendous and as, as you said you know it's it's amazing the respect that his peers had around him to not tell anyone let's not break the news right because you might be triggered into defending him when you see all this speculation going around but they didn't they they respected his privacy 
exactly and it's it's amazing that he was surrounded by people who clearly cared about him far more because i mean it would be very easy if you know chadwick boseman to sell some sort of story to a paper right a lot of money i'd presume especially if it was you know about the big c uh so in that regard it is it's a very it's a big shame it happened in in any way really but the silver lining i suppose is that it, it evidences that the people around him were very respectful of everything and then i saw i mean I may sound hypocritical speaking about it now, but I saw there was an article that came out within two hours of it being released, people questioning what's going on next for uh, for Black Panther and things. Right. And that was, I mean, I, I'm not obviously a huge news source, but I wouldn't even qu- question that within... Right, yeah, like, let's mourn him first. Let's, let's yeah. mourn him before we worry about what's next for the Marvel Cinematic Universe, which I love, but that's entertainment. This is a man's life, you know? This is a man's family. It's impossible yeah. not to speculate on it, but I wouldn't put it out there, you know? No, exactly. Especially within, I think it was within two hours of being announced. I think it was, I wouldn't say the site just in case, cause, uh, but there was a site that released it and it was literally like, what's next? Following Chad Bo- uh, Chadwick Boseman's death, what's next for Black Panther? And you're just like, what? Like, I'm, even if I had a news outlet, you just, at the very least, give them a day. Like, right. at, at the very least. I mean questioning that sort of thing it's just it was it's very disrespectful which is the, is the problem um unfortunately speaking of that i don't want to sound like a hypocrite but speaking of the mcu one comment i would like to make which is a thought i had in passing when i first heard about chadwick Bosman, obviously as you say there is a thought that came into your head which is what's next almost you just don't necessarily pose that question right but i mean i'm see... not saying you shouldn't think it of course you're going to no. think it are they going to continue the series they had planned for a sequel Will someone else take the mantle? But you don't post it. You, you don't start speculating on that publicly for your own attention. And no, exactly. And but that with that in mind, ironically, the one thing I did read, which I didn't mean to read, I saw a headline about it, and it was something I was already pondering, which is it's a silver lining situation if this does happen. But hopefully, it'll give Shuri the ability to shine. And I don't want to say. I'm, I'm trying to obviously I'm trying to say it in a way of like respectfully about Chadwick Boseman I don't want to just spend the whole time then speculating and kind of right. rude about the very clear thing but one thought that did come into my mind was in a silver lining if Shuri could become the forefront then that would be incredible for not only her as an actor but also as people of colour in general I mean she could be we just spoke about it a little bit before I think she could be better than the next Iron Man she's far right she's the smartest person in the MCU 100% so well the smartest human she, I should say she's the smartest human in the MCU yeah, who, who would you class as the smartest person in the MCU or individual in the, I think there's the a potential for Vision to be smarter than Siri mm, that's what I kind of thought as well when when you said that I was like who would be oh Infinity Stone I get yep yeah. <laughs> um <laughs> But yeah, I, I, I'm glad we spoke about that. Is there anything else you want to add uh, about Black Panther? And otherwise, we'll go to another subject. As much as I think it's disrespectful to jump all over the who's the next Black Panther thing, I also think that in honoring his memory, he helped lay the groundwork for what could be an amazing series of movies that really empowers the Black community. So I don't think that they should shut it down either. I don't think they should recast mm-hmm. him, definitely. No, definitely not. And I don't have any idea how they could alter the story based on where we left off with Black Panther Mm. in the MCU. 
but I yeah. trust that they're going to do their job to honor him and then honor the work that he did in creating this series. Yeah, I completely agree. Um, so I mean, with that in mind, if we kind of uh, change gear slightly and go right back to uh, reminiscing in childhoods and things, speaking of superhero movies and that sort of thing, uh, what was some of the earliest memories you have of of superheroes was it comics was it animated tv shows was it films what, what what sort of started you off in the the superhero appreciation oh i used to watch old wonder woman with linda mm. carter yeah and i would wear my i would wear knee socks all the way up and pretend like they were <laughs> boots and <laughs> you know spin around in my parents living room and try to become her i thought she was beautiful too a lot of my childhood was watching really old things. Like, I, I don't understand what the reason for that is, but like, I was a big monkeys fan. Mm. That's not really my generation. You know? <laughs> no. <laughs> I know it's not superhero, but it's like, I sound like I was raised in the 1950s sometimes, you know? <laughs> <laughs> and maybe I was. <laughs> Ooh, <laughs> plot twist. <laughs> I also watched The Incredible Hulk. Oh, with uh, Lou Ferrigno. Mm-hmm. The, the, the really, really old school one, yeah. Right, and it was David Banner instead of Bruce Banner. Mm. <laughs> really, the really sad Hulk. It was the sad Hulk where you look over the shoulder. <laughs> <laughs> the lonely life of David Banner. But yeah, at my core, I'm a Batman girl. Like Batman was one of my first fictional crushes. I have three big fi- fictional crushes and two of mm. them are from comics. <laughs> oh, really? Would you want me to ask what the third is? What do you think the second is? I was more, I was going to look back around to that while I try and guess who it was. If number one is Batman, hmm, am I right in thinking it's probably someone of, wait, it's not, it's not going to be, no, I don't know. I mean, it's, I'm trying to think of what would be out then. I mean, if it would be comic related or book or film or TV, I couldn't. There's so many characters. I, mean, I, couldn't even, I don't even know why I try to guess. I mean, but I you should know him. because I talked to you about him before the show. Oh, oh Lord! Now you're gonna have to make me remember pre. Oh, Loki. Yeah, <laughs> that was it. Jesus, my brain then is. Not on point. This is what happens when <laughs> I finish work and then within seconds I've got my podcast uh, gear on because my brain hasn't had time to reset in the right way. Yeah, I am not doing well to say, but yes. It's Loki, okay. okay. I liked Loki in the Norse mythology. Mm, yeah. And then their version of him was, you know, it was kind of silly in some of the versions in the comics, but he was still very clever and a foil for Thor. And I like Thor. And I really love the way they portray him in the movies. But a lot of times in the comics, it was just, oh my gosh, he's overrated, you know? <laughs> Someone needs well, to yeah, take I mean, him down, and Loki did that. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, when I was thinking of who it could be, I was thinking, well, I was like, Doctor Strange. But then I was like, but he's a bit offbeat. If you were really young, would you have necessarily known who Doctor Strange was? Not to be patronized to you, I didn't. I no, no, I didn't know who Doctor Strange was until I was an adult. Yeah, so it's like people like him, and I was like, hmm. And I was trying to think of people who are intelligent, and I was I was thinking, 
I was like trying to think of all the intelligent superheroes I know that aren't like Superman, who's just bland and boring. And then I don't know. And overpowered. <laughs> yeah, well, that's the problem with Thor in a lot of ways. Thor, Thor is just on the verge of being strong enough that he's really cool without having Superman syndrome. I, I feel. Uh, let's see what the rest of the MCU does. But I think at the present, it is that just about uh, strong enough with enough weaknesses. But who's who's the third a fantasy crush, a fictional crush, rather? Dracula. Oh, really? Interesting. Is there a specific iteration? Well, my favorite version is Gary Oldman. Okay. Yeah. And it's weird because I don't look at Gary Oldman as a sex symbol, but mm. he plays sexy very well. <laughs> he does. I mean, he's Sid Vicious, another strange crush that I had, which would, would have been before my time, you know, but Sid Vicious was hot. <laughs> <laughs> I think uh, my first fantasy crush I specifically remember is actually uh, Willow from Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Yeah. Like she was, she, I, I loved her. I was completely uh, played by Alison Hannigan. And if people aren't aware of who that is, it's the ginger girl from American Pie, <laughs> which I saw her in that and I was like. She's responsible for the best line in the entire Buffy verse, which is bored now. <laughs> that well, That is a pretty amazing one. I mean, I just remember the series because uh, I watched it oh, when I was about 10, I think. And I, uh, I watched it with, uh, it's not called Childminder or that. It's like a babysitter, but my, I went to a, basically I went to a babysitter after school when I was like 10, but she had several kids, uh, around after school and it's called a Childminder over here. Um, and she has two daughters, one that was my age and one that was about five or six years older than me. And I clicked with the one who was five or six years older than me. And so we used to watch Buffy together. Um, and I want to clarify in case anyone's thinking weird stuff. Nothing is plutonic purely. Um, but we, we watched Buffy the Vampire Slayer and I just remember watching it. And I saw Willow and so I was like, oh, she's really cute and really almost at like the backbone in a lot of ways uh, of being, in a lot of ways, almost like Hermione and Harry Potter is Willow mm-hmm. and Buffy. It's kind of like, Buffy's the chosen one who goes out and stabs things and doesn't really know much else. And then Giles and Willow are the ones who know uh, other stuff. And then... I remember she she obviously becomes more and more powerful and then there's that episode where slightly spoiler alert but it's from the 90s so people should have seen it by now where her girlfriend dies and right. she goes absolutely mental Dark and I was like, Willow oh, shit. yeah <laughs> I think at one point she skins someone which yeah. I remember that's where she just, says it she says bored now and she flays him <laughs> wow I didn't realise that was exactly where it is I just remember that exact scene of his face looking terrified with his stupid spiked up hair and then he had it coming yeah i can't remember a huge amount about that i remember really liking spike he's awesome uh i I always liked that those sort of characters that are bad but kind of trying to be good but not as well right loki's kind of got that in a lot of ways right he tiptoes along the balance between good and evil they're the most interesting characters right i mean batman isn't golden you know batman he is a crime fighter who commits crimes to fight crime. <laughs> <laughs> Did you fall in love with uh, movie Batman or comic Batman? Comic Batman first. Oh, nice. And then the different iterations of Batman. This, this new movie that's coming out, it's the first time that... <sighs> I'm, I'm not a Robert Pattinson fan in terms of his physical appeal. I think he's a tremendous actor, but he just, you know, he doesn't click for me. So I'm a little concerned about whether he is going to fulfill the needs I have for a Batman character. 
<laughs> the knees that you have, yeah. <laughs> and I have not watched the trailer, even though you asked me to, because I do not watch trailers until after the movie. I don't want things to be That's right. fine. I'm That's excited about fine. their Catwoman choice. Oh, um, oh, I did know this, because I've seen the trailer. Who was it? <laughs> I've forgotten. I'm just going to let you sit there and think about it. But the problem is, is my brain is stuck on Anne Hathaway when I know it's not because she was from the Dark Knight Rises. Um, not even the best Catwoman. No, I know your favourite is the Halle Berry one. <gasps> uh, so. <laughs> <laughs> All right, this this chat is over. <laughs> I know I've been. I was late. I didn't read any articles. I can't even remember who Catwoman is, and now I'm insulting you. It's terrible. I'm the worst. I can't. I can't remember who. Uh, no, I I remember seeing them and thinking, I'm happy they are Catwoman. Uh, no, I, I remember there's an actor in it who, his name escapes me, Jeffrey Wright. He's in the new Batman, which I'm very excited for. because See, that's a spoiler. I didn't know he was in the movie. I think he's a great actor, but I didn't know he was in the movie. I don't know what he's playing in the movie. I didn't look that far into it, but he's one of my favorite actors. After seeing him in Westworld, I was blown away he's another stuff that's good as well at hunger games but um catwoman who is it remind it's me zoe kravitz For, oh i knew i recognize <sighs> and now that you've said it it's like boom straight in there because i kept my mind kept going to like harry potter fantastic beasts things and i was like no it's not and then i was like oh no it's in grindelwald that's what she's in that horrendous film oh sorry Back it's in the okay. Just, <laughs> Bad host. That film angers me. That film angers me, uh, Grindelwald. Um, anyway, uh, with the, the new Batman thing, obviously, I'd said about seeing the trailer, but I knew that you didn't uh, watch trailers, which I totally get, because I I like to think I don't, and then a new trailer comes out, everyone I know is talking about it, and then I'm like, oh, I kind of need to watch it to, to talk with them. Right. But I'm not one who watches, you know, the teaser trailer, then the behind-the-scenes featurette, and then the main trailer one, and then the main trailer two, and then the TV spot trailer. I, I don't bother with that i, I love doing one. that after i watch the movie uh do you like to see what things they've cut out and things and didn't put in i i think that creating a good trailer is an art so i appreciate it as an art in itself but because movies are so predictable to me i don't need anything to help with ruining the story for me <laughs> like, that's a very good point one of the movies that you recommended i hadn't seen which is the scott pilgrim movie oh you haven't I, seen that i watched it last night in preparation for our wow. talk and I was predicting everything all over the place. So I'm glad I didn't wow. see the trailer for that one. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, that's what Scott Pilgrim is not a film known to be amazing for its plot. It's, it's fairly simple going. I mean, the trailer is, yeah, there's several even X, several evil X's. Right. But the, they were just so heavy hammered with the, it's not just, it's not boyfriends, it's exes. Like, okay, we don't need that six times. We get it. There must be at least one girl. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that was pretty obvious. But obviously, Scott Brook is made from the comic. So any criticism of the film, I push onto the comic. And then any good things about the film, I bring on and hold up high. Scott Brook <laughs> is one of my, fa my favourite films. I know it's not one of the best films ever made, but the, the aesthetics of it, I just... I could watch it again and again and again. I just... I love films that have little pop-up-y things just it was uh, very fun first. yeah it was definitely yeah. fun and you know it has a little sound effects from video games in it i i enjoyed that because i was like oh i recognize that one. Ooh, i know that one <laughs> <laughs> i also love mary elizabeth winstead who played yeah Mary flowers she's incredible at everything and she has she has music out did you know that no i didn't 
She has an album with uh, the main producer for Kasabian and Gorillaz. I can't remember his name. But the the band is called Got A Girl. And it's about... It's one album out and it's called I Love You But I Must Drive Off This Cliff Now. Uh, and it, <laughs> that is an awesome a, name. It's brilliant. It's a concept album about... I think a relationship basically breaking down and each song is almost like a different stage of a breakup in a way. There's more to it than that, but I don't want to necessarily spoil it. Um, but it's, it's an absolutely incredible album. It's, it, I don't know what genre it is. It's really peculiar because it is inspired by so many different things, but her voice is amazing. And I love it. It's one of my favorite albums. So. You'll have to send me the link so I can look into it. I definitely will. I'm going to write that down. To, <laughs> I'm going to do enough prep in the interview now to make up for the lack of prep uh, beforehand. Um, wonderful. But yeah, with with superheroes and things, like when you got into sort of Batman in the comics and things, was it, did you get into comics yourself? Was it a family thing or, or was it, because people get into comics for different reasons. I, I didn't get into it until very late in life. I was actually the leader in a group of boys like, I was mm. such a tomboy that I didn't have any female friends growing up, you know, as a child. And there was this pack of boys that ran around my neighborhood, and I somehow was the leader of this pack of boys. Wonder Woman. There we go. <laughs> I, I just didn't have any problem making decisions. And, you know, like, what do you want to do? What do you want to do? We're going, we're going to do this. Like, I'm tired <laughs> of the indecision. Give me your bike. I hate mine. You know? <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I had this ugly this. yellow banana bike that my parents got for me. I mean, it was so awful. It's yellow and brown bike. And so every day, one of the boys would take turns riding my bike and I would get to ride their cool bike. <laughs> <laughs> How old were you at this time? Oh, seven or eight. Oh, really? You were that uh, that young? I was imagining you being like 12 or 13, being the sort of uh, the leader of the pack. But that's pretty impressive. Is it? <laughs> yes. I mean, well, I mean, it, it's being a leader at that age in any facet is impressive, let alone sort of, you know, being the pack of boys, you know. All right, but I'm leading, I'm leading a group of children. <laughs> but you are a child at the time. If you were like your age now and you were leading a group of like, you know, 10, eight-year-old boys, there'd be some serious questions and very little respect. But when you're an eight-year-old <laughs> girl doing it, it's very different. I'll take your word for it. <laughs> but, you know, they, they had access to comics and things like that. They had all these cool things. And, you know, I don't think that my parents were denying me these things. I think it just didn't occur to them that I might be interested in it. And so I would just raid all of their stuff. I didn't steal it. I would just borrow it and read it and, you know, consume it. I definitely didn't steal it. <laughs> And then did you become the super nerd and you were the one who knew all the intricate details better than the boys whose comics they were? I don't know about that. I think I just have a good memory in general. So I don't think it's because it's not because I was female. It's just because I'm, I'm a dork, you know? <laughs> oh no, I didn't mean to see it because you're female. I just meant exactly because you are a dork. I could imagine you, I could imagine it almost being like one of the, like a coming of age film where you meet these boys, then you read all of their comics three times quicker than all of them have. And then <laughs> when they're talking about like nerdy comic stuff, you're chiming in with more information than even they know. Right. You know so much more of it. You don't know who Bob Kane is? <laughs> you know? <laughs> <laughs> So it's weird that, you know, I don't consider Catwoman a childhood crush because she is the one I was infatuated with, but I wanted to be her. I didn't want to be with her. Mm. And I, 
absolutely love the Michelle Pfeiffer Catwoman. That's my favorite. You were saying that Scott Pilgrim is like one of your favorite movies. Batman Returns is my favorite movie. It's not the greatest movie, but I love the way it looks. I love the outfits in it. I love the aesthetic. It's just amazing. And she is an incredible actress playing this role. She's my favorite actress in my favorite outfit playing my favorite role. That was my there is a God moment, you know? (laughs) (laughs) And he made this movie just for me. (laughs) That is true. Yeah, I saw the credits. It was, yeah, specifically to Miss Tonya Todd. I I saw that. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Did you... Did you enjoy uh, its predecessor quite as much? Because being there's always the two uh, sides of a coin. Because myself, not being much of a comic book reader until recent, when I watch TV, when I watch movies of you know Batman or Spider Man or whoever, I for the most part, apart from video games, usually is have some sort of uh, involvement. Normally, that's my first view into what it is. But obviously, where you'd read a lot of Batman prior to that, what were your kind of thoughts when you saw? were the four the four main Batman sort of pre two thousands. Well I You're very, very hate, different films. <laughs> I hated the ones that were not Tim Burton. The mm. Schumacher ones, I hated those. In fact <laughs> I did I didn't even see the last one. It was like, nope, not doing it. Really? That's the one with Arnie in, isn't it? With uh, as Mr. Freeze. I think that... so. I saw Batman yeah. Forever and that's the one with Val Kilmer. Hmm. Yeah, they all get a bit muddled for me in certain parts i can kind of i've seen them all at some point and it's like i've got pieces like i remember michelle pfeiffer as catwoman and then i can vaguely remember the uh, george clooney batman and the michael keaton batman and then there's danny devito as the penguin in one of them and arnold schwarzenegger as mr freeze in another one so it's like all these like i've got these images kind of mushed together i need to i really don't even remember the what i know that there was Dr. Freeze and there was Two-Face and there was the Riddler after Batman Returns, but I couldn't tell you which of those movies. Like, I saw Batman Forever. Don't remember who the villain was. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I should have looked this up. I was plan- I thought about trying to rewatch them um, beforehand, but I'm trying to convince Megan to watch them. And it's like, <laughs> it's she is getting into superhero stuff, but it's like, oh yeah, there's these four Batman films, right? They've all got generally mixed reviews. The first two most people like, the second two not so much. And they're they're not old, but comparing them to the Dark Knight Batman, which is pretty much the only Batman she's ever right. seen, it's very different. It is very different. And the the Dark Knight series, that feels more realistic. It feels more like something that could actually happen. Yeah. So the, a new universe was not painted for that, and that's part of what's what makes it different. I mm-hmm. love the burden. Yeah atmosphere i love that darkness and you know it's like everything is blue and black and and gray (laughs) and shiny yeah i mean i do i love tim burton but i i feel like now i more love or loved tim burton because it's like i love the aesthetic choices he has for a lot of things right but you see like sleepy hollow is uh, an absolutely incredible film yeah and then you know you've got nightmare before christmas which is probably his most famous one and then you've got you know corpse bride I think Frank and Weenie. I think they're yes. part of some, the same universe. Like, cause I, I think the, there's like a fan theory where the main character is the same person in all of them and the dog right. is the same dog in all of them, which is a cool one. But like, I love, I do really like Tim Burton, but I just think, I'm trying to think of the, the last 10 years of Burton films and I don't think I've seen many that I've really liked that much. I can't think of, I can't think of many. It so. seems like he takes these movies that he doesn't want to do because people will pay him an enormous amount of money to do them so that he can make the ones that he loves. 
Mm. So like Dark Shadows, not my favorite. Mm. Yeah, I haven't seen that one. I kind of, my brother loves Tim Burton and he watched that and he was like, don't bother. And I was like, okay. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I watched the series, at least I watched most of the series. I didn't watch the whole thing, but it was not, it was not the series. It was just too silly and campy. Mm. It was the Schumacher version <laughs> of Dark Shadows. Ironically. <laughs> right. Yeah. It, it's, it's okay if you um do you have like a favorite director of any kind who you'd love to like do some superhero films or batman or anything like that well i would have said joss whedon until the you know recent months where we're hearing all this negative talk about how it is to work with him and how mm. he makes it difficult for people of color i don't know what you know we still don't know the details on what he actually did but you know, I loved the Buffy verse. I I watched all of Angel. I I didn't like that as much as I liked the Buffy show. Yeah. I tried off with Angel. I liked Angel on Buffy. I did not yes. necessarily love his series. His series for me was far too much talking. Like when I, I watched it, I when I was a bit younger. But then my parents wouldn't let me watch Angel because Angel was a fifteen. Well, over here the certificates twelve, fifteen, or eighteen. Mm-hmm. Um. And Buffy was mainly 12s or 15s. So my parents were like, ah, oh, that's fine. But then when Angel Series 1, I think, is an 18, they wouldn't let me watch it for ages. And then... There was darker stuff on Buffy than there was on Angel. <laughs> well, it's just because it was an 18, so I don't know if they swore more, if there was a sex scene in it or what. But my parents wouldn't let me watch it for ages. And then when I finally got around to watching them when I was, I think, about 15, the the momentum of my love of Buffy had worn out a little bit because I hadn't seen them in so long. And mm-hmm. I was watching these Angel shows and I was like, okay, well, that's a discount, Giles. Uh, I think it's Wesley, and then right. there's all these characters that were like mirror versions. Wesley, of who is in the MCU, though, like <laughs> he's the other. Really? Oh, what in um... in Avengers, the one who talks, who's kind of the facilitator between Loki and Thanos. Oh, oh, really? Is that him? Yeah. Oh my god, that I did not know that. I know there's uh, there's so many cool cameos in the MCU, uh, which I'm sure we could almost have an whole episode on. But um, you were talking about, sorry, Angel or Joss Whedon. Uh, I interrupted you. So I, I would have liked to work with him if he was the man I thought he was. Still, mm. the jury's out. I'm not, I have not, you know, passed a verdict or anything, but there must be a reason that people have concerns. I, I'm just curious to find out what actually happened. Mm. And Christopher Nolan, I would love to work with him. Oh. His brain is fantastic. Yeah, I do. I do love Nolan. Have you seen? Um, is that new film that's out, Tenet? Have you seen that? Not yet, and I I know oh, someone who is in quite a bit of it. I mean, he's he's one of the extras, but he's an extra that is used over and over again because of his military background. They oh. just covered his face so that he, they could use him in all these different scenes. <laughs> that's amazing. But, yeah, I'm excited to see that. Just to see if I can spot him in it, but I will watch any Christopher Nolan movie. Yeah, I've I've seen most of them because there's I think Memento was his first or second film, which I love. I love Memento. That was a cracking. Film. I don't think it was then, his first because he had that really weird one before that that I can't think of the name of. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking because I, I think he had a short film out as well, and there was I think another film. I I think he has a film called Insomnia or something. Yeah, that like that. I kept thinking Insomnia, but I was like, no, that's not the name of it. But if you're saying it, it probably is. Yeah, I think it had Robin Williams in it. Um, but I, I seem to recall when I got really, I'm just looking up now, uh, when I got really into Nolan um, after seeing Memento and stuff and I was like, oh, I'm going to watch 
try and watch all his films. Um, I remember f- seeing it and I was like, there's one film that just didn't seem to uh, marry up. He was an executive producer of Batman vs. Superman. <laughs> what? Uh, I mean, uh, and it's very rude to... And he was a producer of Man of Steel as well. And Dark Knight Rises and Dark Knight. Well, no, obviously, because he made the Dark Knight trilogy, but I didn't realise he was producing them as well and he was involved in the other films. It actually kind of upset me a little bit that he was the executive producer of Batman vs. Superman because I hate that film. Well, remember, they asked him to do it and he said he was done. Oh, I did not know that. Um, I'm just looking up. I found some films that he, he did before. So with it was Memento in 2000. Before that was a film called The Following, which yeah. I've never even heard of. And then before that was a short film called Doodlebug. I did not and see Doodlebug. Were, I've never even heard of it. And then the two other shorts as well. Uh, Tarantella, not Tarantula, Tarantella and Larceny. But they're like shorts from the 90s and things. But yeah, then it was Memento, then Insomnia, and then Batman Begins uh, and stuff. But yeah, I mean, he's he's incredible. I mean, Interstellar, The Dark Knight Trilogy, Dunkirk, they're all, in, in their own right, phenomenal films. I mean, I think... Would you say Dark Knight is arguably the... the uh, using the term superhero is kind of weird because Batman's much more vigilante, but like I, I kind of hold... Well, Dark that's what Knight. makes him amazing, is that he's a superhero without any superpowers. Well, precisely. And I think the Dark Knight, as you said, due to the realism, obviously the performances by all the actors involved, Gary Oldman, obviously your favourite. <laughs> <laughs> and um, a lot of the, obviously Heath Ledger being one of the big ones as well. I think Dark Knight, I would say, is not only one of the best superhero films slash comic book movies ever made, but I think it's in the top probably 50 best films ever made, in my opinion. I agree. I definitely agree. I don't think that superhero movies get the respect they deserve when mm. it comes to the Academy Awards. There are some award-winning performances that don't get recognized just because of the genre. Yeah, 100% agree with you there. That's like saying that a romance book can't be amazing because it's a romance book. But it can yeah. be amazing. Oh, yeah, 100%. Or you can have a weird, twisty, crazy one like Gongo, which is <laughs> sounds like a romance book, and then you get more into it. You're like, this no, is no, not a romance. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, what what are your? Uh, it's in the the grand scheme. Obviously, you, Batman has been uh, one that you've liked from very young. With the, the current standing of the MCU and the DCEU, which is a, a weird thing, right? DC does a much better job with their animated movies and mm. Marvel does a better job with their live action movies. I'm hoping that's going to change next year. I love Marvel and I think if Marvel can keep up to the same standard they've gone, excluding Captain Marvel, if they can keep up to the standard of the last phase of the MCU and if DC can push up a whole notch, right? I think it's going to be incredible because I was saying to a friend of mine, I was like, I want Marvel to generally stay not necessarily family fun, but you know what I mean? It's owned by Disney now. It's None of them are going to be that gritty and dark, bar build-ups like Endgame and Infinity War. But if they keep that and it's still funny and it's got quips in it and other stuff and certain ones get a bit weird, like, you know, Doctor Strange, etc. I'm all up for that. But I want DC to counter and be like, you know, R-rated movies and things that aren't afraid to pack a punch and actual violence instead of just constantly being stabbed with swords and then there's no blood on the end of them. That sort of thing pisses me <laughs> off. So, you know, that's kind of what I'm hoping for in the next year of, of the DC movies and things. I, mean, I don't know what you think about that sort of jazz. You just mentioned the violence and I do want to say, well, Batman versus Superman ha- has its issues. The Batman fight scenes were really cool. The warehouse scene yes. I think is the, some of the best Batman I've ever seen 
but right. it's annoying it's 20 minutes of amazingness in a two and a half hour. Right, yeah, but it's worth watching those scenes, definitely. Yes. And it had that awesome introduction to Wonder Woman. Yes, yeah, when she comes in, it's like the doof moment. Right, yes. and they have that incredible song for her. It's like, yes! And then after <laughs> that point, the movie is just, stop, please make it stop. <laughs> no more 100%. bad CGI, I can't take it anymore. Oh, yeah, Doomsday was not a fun no thing to experience but they did the same thing in her movie they had this great movie going and then bad cgi villain like i just i can't deal with it anymore i just want them to stop doing the same because marvel got into it i think phase two of marvel is probably uh maybe the weakest of the phases of marvel just because you have all the intro movies which are all they're all cool but it's the same general formula you know but then you have a lot of time the second movie has to bump it up a notch to be interesting but what a lot of the sequels were doing was just like, oh, well, you start the film and he's already super hit, super or whoever it is. Mm-hmm. And then it's like, okay. And it kind of plods along. And then the end is just a big CGI battle. And you're like, can there be anything other right. than blue light shining in the sky and some giant nameless villain that's in it for 10 minutes and then dies immediately? It's like, is there any, apart from Loki, is there anyone? <laughs> <laughs> that's what Captain America did well, though. I mean, that was that's the only series in the MCU that got better as it went along. Yes. I, yeah, I was going to say, I was like, wait, Thor? I was like, no, Thor 2 is definitely the worst of the three. So, yeah, I'd, I'd agree with you there, I'd say. I'm, I'm not saying I agree with you. I, I don't love Ragnarok the way other people do, because I think that uh, it's a great movie, but I don't think the themes in that movie fit the story in that movie. All of mm. these characters we loved died. The whole the whole of Asgard was destroyed, and it's a funny buddy film <laughs> that's what i love about it <laughs> genuinely as it's i love the counter i love i love how yeah it is horrendous and you, yeah you watch odin die and then all of his thor's nameless friends die and then obviously as right but they shouldn't be nameless because they were in the other movies you know like but they it's one of those things where i agree they should but the thing is is that like i think they changed out one or two of the actors a couple times anyway i think it's the blonde dude yeah they just swapped him out no one really noticed i didn't notice i watched i saw a youtube video and it told me i don't think for myself um but but that's because he was cast on another show he was cast on that storybrook show what i think it's once upon a time playing prince charming Mm, yeah I've, i've heard of the show i can't say i've watched it i don't remember the actor's name but they had to switch out the actor because he had a full-time gig on a television show and i don't fault him for that <laughs> oh no i don't fault him for that at all i don't even fault the filmmakers i think the problem stems from one of the issues i had with the the latest with the sequel trilogy of star wars which is sometimes they they don't have enough of a vision of what they want to finish with and then to get there so a lot of the times you find with films as i said the sequel trilogy of star wars is the most glaring thing for me uh, where they just didn't have a plan and it's like with the thor movies like Thor 1's introduction is kind of fun, and then Thor 2 is meant to be, you know, it's called The Dark World, it's meant to be the darker of the films, but for me it just didn't really hit. And then although I think Ragnarok is my favourite Marvel film, bar probably Endgame and Infinity War, it's amazing, but it is completely disjointed to the other Thor films and most a lot of the other MCU films to some degree. But obviously then they do kind of 
it, that film almost pushes him into Guardians in a sense because the genre right. of that film is very similar to Guardians, and then in the which worked Infinity wonderfully Saga, for Guardians, like that was a that was yeah. a nice breath of fresh air in the MCU is to have this different twist and to be able to bring in these relatively unknown characters and make everyone love them. <laughs> yeah. No, um, I and I don't incredible. dislike Ragnarok. They're like Kate Blanchett. Hello, I will watch her in anything. She's amazing. And she was amazing as Hella, you know. It, it was really wonderful watching her just slink through that film and control everyone. Oh yeah. But I didn't like the silly laughter. I, I liked it in some scenes, but it just got too campy in some places, which is a shame because I love the filmmakers in this and I love the actors in this. I think that Chris Hemsworth is a lot funnier than we realized. Yeah. I'm excited for to see the next one. I think now I think I think one of the reasons the Ragnarok did so well was because it was such a shock. It was because so, no one was expecting it. You know, everyone was kind of phase 3 I feel built life back into the MCU because the the, the general public consensus being, you know, Avengers is strong and Thor is strong and Iron Man's strong and then most people I know Iron Man 2 was in the uh was in phase one still, but then Iron Man three, but most people consider Iron Man two or three the weakest. Uh, Iron Man no three is the weakest of those. Like that one fell off. It's like I don't even want to watch it again, which sucks because it had really great moments, but overall, mm. it's painful to watch. I thought that I've, I rewatched because I rewatched all the MCU um, in the last few months at the start of lockdown, really, because Megan hadn't seen them, and we were like, all right loads of time in let's just watch all the lord of the rings and hobbit extended films let's watch all the marvel cinematic universe let's watch all the star wars things so we did all that and i i liked iron man 2 less and liked iron man 3 more when i rewatched them so what what changed during the rewatch what changed your perspective i think that i expect i remember there being a lot more fun and action in iron man 2 and I love Sam Rockwell. And I think when I first saw her, I was just... I mean, he's my man crush. I love Sam Rockwell. He's one of my <laughs> favourite people in the world. He's Him and James McAvoy. a great underrated actor. I mean, oh, he's yeah. incredible in everything that he does. There's not... I don't think I've seen a film he's in that's bad, except maybe Iron Man 2. I don't even say that's bad. I just think it's okay. But my flaws with it, I think, was... I like the introduction of Black Widow. And I, I think I mentioned to you in Messenger, one of the best scenes. Yes. I'm pretty sure it is in that, that film, which is where... No, it is. Happy. It definitely yeah. is, where she goes in and she takes out, like, everyone and he maybe handles one guy. <laughs> yeah. He's been hit in the face numerous times. He's got, like, a swelling lip and I think he's got, like, a bad eye because he's been punched in the face a couple of times. And he's like, look, I did it. And he turns around and it's, like, an entire corridor just filled with them gone. And she is incredible. I mean, bouncing off that, like... What do you, what's what are your hopes for Black Widow? So in the article that you didn't read, <laughs> I'm sorry. Why don't I read it now quickly and then I'll pretend that I've I've done my research. Right. Well, I I think she's the most impressive Avenger, and that's what that article references. Yeah. Because she has no superpowers, but she can hang with these guys, and you know maybe that's true for Clint, but he fights from a distance. She she gets up close and personal. Mm-hmm. The risk is much greater for her, and she goes toe to toe with some incredible superpowers without the aid of having a super soldier serum or an iron suit or a magic hammer or anything like that to protect her. Anger problem, yeah. She's just very clever. In fact, so clever that even when she went up against Loki, who is arguably one of the most clever characters in the Marvel universe, she tricked him. 
he did get to her, but she still tricked him. Hmm. They both worked, but she got what she needed out of him and managed to walk yeah. away. <laughs> I, th- I think one of her best scenes, I think, I can't remember if it's in, I think it's in Age of Ultron, is where it starts and someone calls her and she's in a chair tied up. That's in, in like the first Avengers. Thing. The first, there we go. That's her opening exactly. scene in the first Avengers. And I am tied between that scene or the one in Iron Man 2 as being her best fight scene. Hmm. Yeah. I mean, I think I'd probably say Iron Man 2 may be the best fight scene in my eyes, but I think the the start, I mean, her being in that chair, you, the way you watch her get out of the chair is just right. incredible. You're like, what? I thought it was a superhero film, not a film of pure badassery. She does bring that <laughs> grounded level of just awesomeness. It's almost like, you almost feel like you could almost do it because she hasn't got superpowers, but you, you <laughs> definitely couldn't. <laughs> but she's... She's very smart and people don't give her the credit that is due. My fear for a movie that is based entirely on her is that her mystique is one of her most powerful characteristics. And I don't want them to steal from that and weaken her character, like with what happened with Darth Vader. Hmm. Darth Vader is this amazing, badass character. And then we get to see him as a whiny little kid. And it's just, you know... (laughs) He was cooler before Annie. (laughs) (laughs) Which, by the way, episode one has one of the most badass trailers ever for a movie that did not hold up to the trailer. (laughs) If I recall, I think, does the the trailer have Jewel of Fates in it? I I recall the trailer, I think, ending up part, you've got Darth Maul, and then it's the the lightsaber ignitions. Yeah, you should definitely watch the trailer after after this show. Just watch the trailer because you know how the movie winds up being. <laughs> I've re I've rewatched Phantom Menace in the last week, actually. Did you really? Have you seen the version someone made where they cut out all the stupid Jar Jar stuff? <laughs> There's a version of that somewhere. Yes. Oh my god. Oh, I would kill for that version. I, I will it, see if I can direct you to <laughs> that link. I know Please it's do. It's not something you can buy. I think you have to. No. <laughs> but they find they it. put it out there, right? You have to find it. I don't think we can do air quotes over a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Maybe if people can hear the the sound moving that subtly, I think I think people can get it. If regular listeners will know me, <laughs> I'm doing air quotes. <laughs> but it, it's funny you mention that because I watched a version of episode three that um, someone had put together and there's there's a series called Star Wars Clone Wars and the last four episodes of it run parallel to many of the events of Revenge of the Sith and someone has edited them together and it's like a and they've put in deleted scenes in the film that are still canon and they've uh, restored them and stuff Uh, and we me and Megan watched that the other week and that was it's like four and a half hours long and it's a lot to deal with, especially when most people don't like the prequels very much. Um, but I do. Uh, I don't love. I love them, but I can very easily see their flaws in a very huge way. Um, but I, I wish, I wish there were versions as kind of not just with Star Wars films, but with general films. Like you know, when you get deleted scenes, and it's like, oh, they they still. As long as they don't contradict the main plot, it annoys me that a lot of films, when they go, oh, go on disc two and you can watch deleted scenes or extended scenes, and you watch it and you go, oh, here's 15 seconds of a conversation in the middle of the film with no context. It's right. like, can't I just choose to watch with deleted scenes? Can't, why is that? Uh. <laughs> Sorry, going off on one again. Getting too, too much nerd rage. Nerd rage. Um, yeah, nerd rage. Well, look, I mean, I've got like, 
because I've got my eczema glove on as well, it just looks even more lame. It looks like I'm like a neck in someone's basement, just <laughs> getting angry about nothing. <laughs> Damn, they cast a woman in Avengers. No, it's, you know that sort of silliness. Um, but back to <laughs> back to Black Widow. Some semblance of vagueness of me trying to host is uh, what you say is interesting because when. They said that, you know, Black Widow, when it got released, when it's being released and whatever, they were like, oh, it's going to, fans will be able to say goodbye to Black Widow the way they deserve. And when I heard that, I was like, oh, no, oh, no, they're going to cheese the hell out of it. And that's yeah, and I, I don't about. want that. I want them to showcase how badass she is and maybe the pain and the cost for being so badass. If they do that, yeah. then I will celebrate this film. Yeah. I mean, I'd be interested to see what she, what kind of happened in the five years between Infinity War and Endgame, because she was basically the head of S.H.I.E.L.D. that entire time. Mm-hmm. So I'd, I I don't know how... I mean, if I was making the film, which it's a good thing I'm not, if I was making the film, I'd almost have it so it's her time, kind of almost like Wonder Woman-esque in, in a sense, where it's a, it's her at present, and the present time could be just before the events of Endgame or something like that. Mm-hmm. And maybe she's she has this feeling she's going to die or something, so she has like a, a, a box of memories or memorabilia, and she takes them out and she looks at one thing, and then that kind of starts like a flashback and it kind of you just only see what's in that box once at the start and then once right at the end of the film but what happens in the film you get to see kind of maybe what made her that but then that will do exactly what you don't want which is takes away all the mystery from right i mean i just don't want them to come up with a bunch of sentimental things that soften her Hmm. i want you to see the price for her being so strong and badass while showcasing just how, how incredible she is rather than taking away the mystery and making her a whiny child. Mm. I don't see that yeah. being likely that particular scenario, but I do think they referenced it a bit when I think it was age of Ultron where they went back into her past and she was having the visions yes. caused yeah, yeah, by yeah. Scarlet the, witch. The mm-hmm. I mean, I think, uh, with Black Widow, what I don't is one of the issues I have with prequels. Is, right, is so that's running. that's the issue right there. Is what are you going to do? Please don't mess up what we've already done. Yeah, because I, I find that prequels very for characters especially prequels can really unbalance things. Because when you meet her in uh, Iron Man two and Avengers, she is very hardlined, not getting close to anyone, and except she has the the friendship with Clint, um, and then she has that connection with uh, Bruce Banner slash Hulk you know she has that connection and that's nice I think that's very tastefully done throughout the MCU I think until you get to like end game territory gets a bit but aside from that it, it's it's very well done but I think the reason it's so powerful is because she's not really opened up before in a lot of ways and apart from having a friendship with Hawkeye that she doesn't really have anyone there and that's kind of what helps show her progression opening up a bit more in being a part of this team and if if you go back in time and she's already done all that it's like well you can't just make her it always been films and they do it sometimes with prequels or things like that you know you have a character have this big uh steady arc and then you just do one prequel film and they have the exact same arc in the space of a film and then somehow by the end of the film they're back to the way they were and you're right like, what? or they negate the choices that they made in the films that came out first it's like that doesn't make any sense because of this like don't mm-hmm. don't retract what has already been proven i would like to no. see the development of her friendship with clint i love that aspect of 
the MCU where, yes, a man and a woman can be friends. Period. <laughs> Without one of them being gay. That's, it's normally like... Oh, yeah. Like, there's so many film tropes where it's like, oh, they're best friends. Oh, that's great. Are they going to get together? No, they can't because one of them isn't into the other one. Oh, how good that is. No such thing as plutonic. Right. <laughs> Or you say one of them is into the other one. That means that the other one probably is, you know, like, why? Why can't they just love each other as friends? And they did. They loved each other as friends. And that's why that that scene in Endgame worked, because, yes, there's love here, but it's not romantic love. Mm. It's it's powerful, and it's it's quite, it was quite fun because when I rewatched all the MCU with uh, Megan recently, uh, because she knew about the Black Widow film coming out, but she didn't know it was going to be a prequel, she was like, it got to the scene, and I, I encourage Megan to do this. She tells me what like her own prediction of what's going to happen while watching the film. Just mm-hmm. it's mainly so she can tell me she's right. <laughs> it's not. Like, I told you that's going to happen because often something happens. She'll go, I knew that was going to happen, but I didn't say anything, and now I'm annoyed that I didn't say anything. I'm like, yeah, you didn't think of that. Uh, <laughs> when there's that fight scene, or well, fight scene, because I've got to do a spoiler warning at the start of. Um, I do. I'll do when I re-record the intro and that sort of jazz. I'll make sure I put spoiler warnings and stuff in there. So. You know, when Hawkeye and Black Widow are basically fighting each other right. to get the Soul Stone, she was watching it and going, well, I know that Hawkeye's going to go. But then she's like, but it would actually be really sad, though, because he's got his family. And I was watching this thing in her that right. I realised I had when I was watching the film. And it's it's so good. And I, I agree with you completely. I would love to see them building that friendship. Who did you want to win in that scene? <sighs> I I wanted... I, I I think I, I like I wanted Hawkeye to survive on the basis that his family and stuff. If it didn't show the scene at the start with his family, which I think gave it away a bit too much, mm-hmm. it was a great scene. It was powerful when you watch it. Right. Because like, after obviously after a year of seeing the click, obviously most many people who saw Endgame then you know watched Infinity War a little bit beforehand to kind of remember, but the impact still wasn't quite there. And then within seconds of the film starting, you're like, oh, and as soon as it starts, you're like, oh, please don't let, I know what's going to happen. I can see it. And you watch him just, as soon as it happens, you just watch him and he's just gone. And in that, I was like, I really want him to get his family back and have that, all those years that he lost and he went into the depths of himself again. I want him to get that light again. And I, I feel like where Black Widow was the uh, the top dog at the uh, Shield, essentially, or whatever it was called when Shield after dis- disbanded and whatever, when she was the top dog there, I feel like that was almost her at her peak. So I feel like as much as I would have liked to see her more, I feel like I kind of always knew it was going to be Hawkeye to survive just by the events of that film. What, what about yourself? Well, because I do prefer her. I wanted her to win the fight and get the soul stone and for Hawkeye to survive because that means she, she wins her last fight. Mm. She's the one who actually conquers in that situation and accomplishes the goal of giving this gift to a friend and the world. I mean, she gets a hero's exit. She's the one who deserved to win that fight. Even if it means that I lose her as a character. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. And what are your thoughts about the uh, upcoming the variety of series? With you know, you got I think One Division, uh, Loki, Falcon, and the Winter Soldier. There might be another one I'm forgetting. There is another one, and I don't remember what it is. Oh, it's What If, isn't it? 
And that's the end of part one. Thanks as always for tuning in, guys. Part two will be out next Sunday as per standard. And the conversation basically continues about really the same thing, but we talk a little bit more about sci-fi and a little bit more about Star Wars. So be sure to tune in for that if you enjoyed this one. As I said in the intro, Tonya Todd has been on Genuine Chit Chat once before. She was on episode 97, where she spoke about diversity and culture and things to do with uh, superheroes, movies, and the media. So go check that out, because it's a really cool chat too. And as I said, I've included a link to her website and the articles that we sort of joke about as well in the show notes. So check that out as well. In case you guys haven't listened, uh, obviously you can tell by the episode number that last week was episode 100 of Genuine Chit Chat. I had one of my best mates, Reese, on the show, and we spoke about a massive variety of things, uh, some vulgar, some more spiritual, uh, a few bits here and there. It's quite a fun chat, and it kind of encapsulates what Genuine Chit Chat is about in a lot of ways. And Reese, as well as being one of my best friends, was one of the first people, or he was the first person to ever appear on Genuine Chit Chat, uh, which is a really important thing for me too. So make sure you check out that as well. Uh, and then coming up in the next next few weeks um obviously next week is going to be part two of this chat uh, i've got a chat due tomorrow uh with a gentleman who owns a float lab and has loads of other incredible interests so i'm really excited to get him on and chat on wednesday i've got an author coming on which i'm quite excited to have on as well um and i got connected to him through bruce wozniak of now hear this who is also who connected me to tonya todd as well so that's really cool and then I've got the two-parter recorded with Janine Mercer of the Odd Entity podcast, and I've got the two-parter with Scott Weatherly of the 20th Century Geek podcast. They're the ones I've got recorded at the moment. I believe I've got... I'm going to be showing up on a new Comics in Motion show. I think today they released the first episode, which is Comics in Trial, uh, which is basically like a courtroom thing. Uh, I'm going to be going on there and defending Star Wars Phantom Menace, which is going to be interesting. Uh, but that, that won't be out for a few more weeks either. And I did guest on another podcast, and that's not going to be out for a while yet. So I'll just kind of, as and when that gets released, I'll talk about that some more. And I've also got Goff coming on the podcast as well in a few weeks' time. Um and I think that's really about it for the time being. I'm, I haven't got any other podcast for, due for recording for a while aside from that because I'm trying to kind of rein it in a bit and see if I can get some cool guests uh, for sort of you know October, November time uh, and then figure out what I'm going to do about Christmas. But that's generally all there is to say about genuine chit chat at the moment, apart from, you know, follow on social media, all that sort of usual jazz to keep up with what I'm doing. And also the other thing I was going to say is that my podcast, Star Wars Comics in Canon, uh, the new episode of that is out, episode 24, which came out yesterday. And episode 25, which will be out next Saturday, I'm doing a Q&A. Uh, so people, you guys can send in some questions and I'll answer them on air. If you specifically want me to mention your Twitter handle or a podcast you're involved with or anything at all, let me know specifically in the email or things and I will shout you out. I've got a couple which are questions which don't really give any insight into those sort of things so i'm like i'm not gonna say your name or your email address on air uh so if you want to specifically be asked just say open the uh, email and that'd be cool i've got questions about count dooku i've got ones about darth maul and ones about just generally my favorite things in star wars so i'll be going to those sort of things uh, as well it's quite a fun one but my podcast star wars comics in canon as you can probably tell by the name is about star wars and it's about comics because a lot of people don't realize how many comics there are out for star wars which are canon uh so i'm making it my my effort to read them all and talk about them so if that sounds like the kind of thing that interests you uh go on to the feed of comics in motion uh, they have a new show every day of the 
week. Uh, some are about indie comics, some are about Marvel and DC, some are uh, discussion podcasts, some are like mine, which is the Solo Styles podcast. There's movie ones. There's loads on there, and it's, it's really, really fun to be a part of that. And I've collaborated with Comics Emotion numerous times before. Chris and Dave, who are the creators of it, are amazing. So make sure you go check that out as well. There's details about Styles, Comics, and Canon in the show notes as well. And that's relatively everything I want to talk about. So just want to say thank you as always, guys, for listening, uh, especially now I'm past the episode 100, which is incredible. And I didn't realize I'd get this far when I first started podcasting, but I'm proud of myself getting that far. And if you feel like you want to help out the show in any way, just share it, send it to people you know will enjoy it, talk about it with people. You know, there's enough of a back catalog and genuine chit chat where I've had a discussion on almost every subject. So I'm sure you'll be able to go back through the back catalog, find something that intrigues you or other people and send it to them because I just, yeah, I love the little community we've got and I'm always looking to make it grow. So yeah, but thanks always for listening, guys, especially all the way to the end. Follow on all the usual social media places, review on iTunes, share with your friends, and do all the usual things. I appreciate each and every one of you for listening, and I'll talk to you next week. <laughs>